Lutheran for the Children's Church, Tyler's Church. Aren't you glad you got to hear them sing? And we'll let you guys go down. The rest of us, uh, let's take our Bibles actually and uh, go to Luke chapter 14. And we'll kind of just by way of introduction review a little bit from last week's message and, and then uh, as it was two part, Luke chapter 14. And these are hard words. Last week was the price of faith. This week is the rewards uh, of faith. And in verse uh, 25, it says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And last week we spent some time on those hard verses. No, uh, Jesus was not asking us to compare our love to him for our love to others. He, he meant exactly what he said. How do you hate your own life? It's by getting rid of it. It's by setting it aside. That's what Paul meant in Philippians chapter 3 when he said, Those things that were counted gain to me, I counted them loss for Christ. He said, I got rid of them. He said, I wanted parted from them as I would from the lowest refuse. I want away from those things. And Jesus goes on to explain that there, there are going to be many who will approach this idea of faith and not be able to get there. They're, they're not going to be able to pay the cost. And, and you need to sit down and examine the cost. We, we have a, a, a type of Christianity that is offered today that uh, is basically, for, for lack of a better term, nothing but fire insurance. And, and fire insurance is great till you have fire. Uh, then the company has to pay up. And, and uh, Jesus is not interested in just fire insurance. He's not interested in just getting you into heaven by the skin of your teeth. That, that's why the Bible says the just shall live. Habakkuk said his faith. You know what? You can't borrow someone else's faith. Your faithful mother, your faithful grandmother, your saintly aunt, their faith is not going to help you in the day when you stand before God. It's got to belong to you personally. And there's a price to be paid. And, and, and Jesus was not uh, just adding an illustration at the end of his sermon here when he said that, uh, talked about salt is good, but if it's lost its saltiness, it's, it's not even fit for the dunghill. It's not even worth the trip to the garbage can to get rid of it. He said people who have that fake faith, that, that faith that did not exact that price, and, and 
And I have tried to explain these verses for years, and, and people always look at me, you mean i got to hate my family? How, how do I do that? Uh, and I've had other people say, well, i got no problem with that at all. I'm, I'm right there, preacher. Uh, I, I, and, and those are the ones you really got to worry about. Amen? Because Jesus is love. And you can't love Jesus without loving people. The problem is we don't know what love is. We really don't. We think we do. I just always, something just in my soul begins to grate when, when, oh, we just love Jesus and we just love people and we don't ever go to church, but we love Jesus and we read our Bible and, 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 and there's something wrong with that kind of love. There's something wrong with that kind of faith. And that's, that's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage, is if you don't get rid of everything, if you don't lay it all aside, you can bring nothing with you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why it's called being born again. Because what you had... Is not good enough. He does not take parts of your old life to make the new one. I always get nervous when someone with great abilities comes and says, Well, yeah, I'm just looking for a place to invest the abilities that God has given me in the Lord's work. And I say, Oh, no, here we go. I'm just being a preacher. I'm sorry, because I know where this is going to end up. If you don't lay everything aside, the faith that you have in Jesus Christ isn't going to be good enough for a place of service for the Lord. He doesn't need your talents. He doesn't need your abilities. In fact, until you're willing to throw your talents away, God can't give you the ability that He wants you to have to serve Him. If I can just throw this in for something to think about, we have a lot going on today in, in Christian circles about the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, you can, I've been told, I've never gone there, and if you do, uh, I would suggest that you come up here and get right with God. But there's a website, websites where you can take spiritual gift assessment tests. And they will tell you what your spiritual gifts are. No. That's just like when I was in high school. Uh, they had a test called the PSAT MSQT test. We just called it Pissat Numsquat. And we go around, are you a Pissat or a Numsquat to our friends? And we thought that was all funny. The teacher was a little uh, <clears throat> uh, perturbed at our... Uh, but they had this whole thing on the test where you answered all of these uh, uh, psychological questions so they could send you back a personality analysis. Mine came back blank, of course. No, um... It's amazing, as you fill these things out, that the world loves to put people and say, well, you would do so well at this and this and this and this. 
Listen, a spiritual gift is something that the Spirit enables you to do in the local church. Now, if you don't have those two things, it's not a spiritual gift. I don't care how good you are at it. My best illustration of this is I had a professor in Bible college who taught Shakespeare. How many of you have read Shakespeare? Good Christian material, right? Uh, Why we have to study Shakespeare in Bible college, I don't get it. I do. It's part of the... Uh, the school I went to was trying to get accreditation from the state and, and accreditation uh, associations. And you have to learn all the filth and immorality of Shakespeare in order to be accredited. Uh, I like a Bible college where you don't have to learn about that foolishness. But I will tell you, the professor that taught me Shakespeare was the single greatest teacher I've ever met. I enjoyed Shakespeare, whether I wanted to or not. In fact, he was so arrogant and so convinced of his teaching ability that in the uh, opening hour of the class, he said, you're going to enjoy Shakespeare. And I'm sitting there going, huh. Before the class was over, I was going, Mr. Beggs, I don't know what you did. But I actually enjoyed Shakespeare. He said, it's because I'm a great teacher. And I said, yeah, that's the only reason I know of enjoying Shakespeare. And that's not a gift of the Spirit. That was an ability that he developed and finely tuned. That's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not interested in who committed immorality with who and who murdered who and they didn't know about it, and all of the things that are in shape. God's not interested in that trash. It's not a gift of the Spirit. It's not of faith. It's not faith-based. And we have an awful lot going on for Christianity today that is not faith-based because we haven't gotten rid of ourselves. And it's not faith. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. It's until we give up and get rid of. I am so glad. It's Valentine's Day. My wife said, you missed it. You're going to preach about, you're supposed to preach about love, right? And I said, well, we'll get there eventually. But I, I'll tell you what, I'm so glad that I gave up on the person I chose to marry and waited for the one that God gave me. Because, see, that's a faith. And we have children that grow up. And so many parents try to relive their lives and make right all of their mistakes through their children and destroy their children. That's not faith. You, you need the children that God's going to give you, not the ones you try to create. How many of you have ever had interfamily conflict? 
You know why we have so many conflicts with other family members? Can we just be, if we can't be honest in church, where are you going to be honest? It's because they won't do what I think they ought to do. And you know what? I may know what is absolutely best for their life. And I might be right. And they might be totally wrong. But if they modify their behavior because of my manipulation, that's not a faith. And it destroys them and it destroys me. Read the life of Solomon. Read Ecclesiastes. Uh, I wish we had time this morning. Maybe the Lord will let me preach a whole sermon on the Solomon complex. That's where you reach a level of intelligence and understanding that you can determine how other people ought to live their lives. It destroyed Solomon. It destroyed his people. And it destroyed the nation of Israel forever. When God pronounced judgment against Israel... Not only did he talk about the sins of Manasseh, he talked about the sins of Solomon. You see, this is what it means to hate my family, to hate my father, my mother, my sisters, my brethren, my children, my wife. Is I've got to separate myself. There is no way the human being can love without trying to get something in return. That's what God is trying to kill. And faith is the only thing that will do it. And a Christianity that incorporates human manipulation in it is worse than worthless. It is the most hurtful thing in Christianity today. And we've got to root it out. We've got to get self out of the equation. That's why it says to hate his own life also. You see, it's not until we come to that point. Why do you think Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that there's going to be many in that day that say unto me, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name, preachers, miracle workers, I wonder, when I read that passage every time, if some of the quote-unquote greatest Christians we know aren't going to be in that category crying, Lord, Lord. I've often said this to our young men that the Lord has brought through our church and training for preaching. And there are preachers out there that would build a church whether Jesus was involved or not. They they're just have that ability. It wouldn't matter what type of business you put them in. They would be successful at it. I hope and pray the reason there are people at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is not because of me, but because of the Holy Spirit of God working in people's lives. Amen? You see... If we're not willing to pay the price of faith, we're never going to reap the rewards of faith. 
And, and I've had people, I just can't get into this type of Christianity where I am nothing. Well, you're not saved. Until you realize that only in Jesus Christ. You see, that is the first reward. That is the greatest blessing. That is the most wonderful thing that faith brings in our life. First Peter 1 Peter 1.9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I've often given, I don't know how often I've given it, not real much, but I remember hearing a certain preacher, and I won't name his name this morning, preach on salvation, and he made it just such a, uh, an incredible uh, presentation of the gospel that I'm sitting there in the seat wishing that I could lose my salvation so I could get saved again. And I'm sitting there and I'm, and, and I'm just going, something's wrong with this picture. Something, something isn't quite right here. You see, getting saved is not the end. It's the very beginning. I'll tell you, every mother rejoices at the birth of a child. I mean, there's just something there. Isn't there? But I don't know any mother that would say, I just wish I could go through all that labor and delivery and carrying the baby again. Uh, Once is enough. I mean, there's a lot of suffering involved in that thing. Ladies, am I too far off base here? Hello? You know, it's hard when you're speaking for ladies. But what you want is to watch that little life grow. We got a little video of Pamela yesterday, Sarah sent it, and she was in a swing, just going back and forth, going, just just chattering away. Oh, that is so cute. But my, my prayer is, as cute as it is right now, that when she gets a little older, she won't be doing that when she's five years old. Amen? Uh, that she'll be speaking in, in sentences and using beautiful words like grandma and grandpa. Uh, Because you want children to grow up. God wants us to grow in faith. But there's a part of that that we don't get until we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and actually reach out and touch the Savior's hand on the other side of eternity. That hasn't happened yet. You see, faith is what opens the door of salvation. And I I hope you don't mind me bashing Reformed theology and and people who believe in Calvinism, but it, it just needs to be done. There's too much... People, too many people.
people accepting the foolishness of Calvinism today. You see, Calvinism actually made its biggest inroads into Baptist circles because of a doctrine called... um, um, now my mind's going, that you can't lose your salvation. Huh? There we go. Perseverance of the saints. I knew it started with a P, uh, but I just couldn't get the right word there. And so we would have people who are Baptist. They know enough about the Bible to know that you can't lose your salvation. And the the Calvinists, ever since John Calvin was alive, have held the title of the learned or intellectuals of Christianity. Now, I've been around enough people who claim to be smart to know that I don't want to be named among their ranks. I'm sorry. There's just too much dumb things done by smart people. We had a president of the United States who fancied himself one of the greatest orators. And he caught pneumonia giving his inaugural speech on a day much like today. It was about this temperature, only it was was a little warmer, but it was freezing rain and sleet and all of that. And he caught pneumonia and died, one of the shortest offices of president. Because he gave an hour or so long speech outside, uncovered in really terrible weather. How smart is that? You see, people think that they know that they have salvation, but the the reformers have actually in the past two or three years allowed the thought process of Calvinism to come full circle. And they understand that the elect have salvation... And they cannot lose that salvation because God determined that they were going to get it before the foundation of the earth. But they don't know who the elect are, including themselves. So what kind of salvation is that? You're so smart, you know you can't lose it, but you don't even know if you're one of the elect or not. Does that sound like faith to you? Or does it sound like human reasoning? You see, that's why i got to go back and hate my own life also. Because this little thing up here can get me in so much trouble. You know, there is no sin committed by mankind that this little thing of gray matter up here can't justify in my life. That's why the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You see, there's an awful lot of things that pass up here because they come from down here. And you can make anything look good except for faith. Faith changes that. Faith short circuits what happens in the human heart, in the human mind. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, For whosoever shall save it, will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? I believe we have some people running for the office of President of the United States that if they could sign a contract with the devil to sell their soul, they'd do it to get into office. Just listen to what comes out of their mouth. 
anything that needs to be said to make them look better in that instant. That, that's a person who has no compunctions at all. No, no direction, no moral restraint. You see, Jesus said, what good would it do if you had the whole world? Could you give the entire world and all of its riches and buy one moment of peace in hell? No. You see... For by grace are ye saved through faith. You know what faith does? Faith starts me out at that moment when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I count the cost of faith and I lay aside me and my family and those I want to influence and my future, and my past, and everything. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is what takes me from that moment to walking through the valley of the shadow of death and getting on the other side of eternity. Because once I walk through that valley, once I lay aside this house for my soul, I will no longer need faith because I'm going to see him. And I'm going to be like him. He's going to make me like him. How many millions of dollars do people pay to go get cut up and made to look like something they think they ought to look like that God didn't give them? I mean, plastic surgery. We're talking about modification. I'm... People spend gazillions of dollars. I remember my pastor, I didn't know him then, but he wore toupee for years. Because it, it just bothered him that there wasn't something up there that used to be. You know what, he got over that. It, you know, you you need to understand that the greatest modification that is going to happen is when God takes your sin-sick soul and makes it fit to live in the palace of the king. I love that song. I want to cry every time I hear it. Living in the palace of the king. Uh, It's on that Amen Quartet album. I just love that song. Because one of these days, Through faith, I'm going to receive salvation and I'm no longer going to be what I am. I'm going to be fit to live in the palace with King Jesus. He's going to accept my worship as we're gathered around the throne. And that all, well, that can only happen through faith. You can't get it any other way. You can only be ushered into heaven's glory 
through faith. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been in a position where only God can answer your prayer? Hmm? You know what the key to answered prayer is? Let's say it out loud. Faith. The prayer of faith. James chapter 5. You know, people get all caught up about calling the elders of the church, anointing them with oil. Hey, can I give you a simple definition of that? We won't take time to build the whole passage this morning. Oil is a medicine. It's okay to call the doctors. It's okay to take pills. And if you need cut open, uh, you want the best surgeon you can find to do the cutting. And hopefully, he'll put you back together again. Uh, maybe there'll be some missing parts, but you'll probably be better off without them. Amen? I mean, that's the way medicine works. But I'll tell you, that verse is not talking against medicine. It's talking about the prayer of faith. You know, my God is able to control the hands and the abilities of an atheist surgeon who doesn't care about God. He can do it. But if you don't have faith, you don't get the answers to prayer. But where, where does faith come from? That's what the other banner is about. You see, faith cometh by... Am I in the right church? Let's try that again. Faith cometh by... And hearing by... You see, faith is not from you. It's not some spark that's inside of you that you fan into a flame. That's how you burn buildings down, by the way. That's not what we want to have happen. You see, faith is the only way you can have salvation. And you're not going to receive salvation completely until you walk through that door. But see, faith gets me from where I am today to there safely. It protects me. It keeps me. It, when my mind begins to doubt, and I, I don't know if I've ever met a Christian that can honestly say, I, I've never had a problem doubting my salvation. I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that hasn't experienced that at one time or another in their lives. You know why? Because the human heart is a very powerful thing and it's always wrong. And it always takes us in a wrong direction. But you know what faith does? Faith gives me the confidence to say no to myself and to what I believe and what I perceive. If you are a person that cannot believe and cannot accept anything that you cannot prompt, uh, 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 process in your mind and through your sensory perceptions, uh, not trying to be rude today, but you are definably insane. Because every one of us have to be willing to accept things that are beyond our reasoning ability and our, our comprehension to understand. 
Next time somebody says, I only believe in what I see, just look at them and say, well, you're insane then. Huh? Because you have to believe in things that you don't understand, things you cannot perceive. We understand, we think, how these lights work. But we can't define light. I am glad that the light in those light bulbs is not the same light that comes out of a laser beam and cuts steel. Otherwise, we'd walk in the auditorium, we'd all be dead. What good would that do? Uh, But they're both light, aren't they? Well, they're different kinds of light. They're made different ways, yes. But we can't define either one of them. No scientist can honestly define light because it's both particles and wavelengths. And depending on how you use it, it acts differently. Listen, faith gives me the ability to accept God as my Savior in what this book says. Faith teaches me how to pray as I ought to pray. And if you haven't been there, I'm promising you the time is coming in your life where you're going to need an answer to prayer that can come only from God. And if you don't have faith, you're not going to get that answer. That's why a lot of people get bitter against God. He didn't do what I he didn't give me what I prayed for. I remember the story brother Clayton tells he was in one of the mountain villages there in the Philippines and, and uh, trying to preach. And he said all of a sudden a woman came out of her little hut there and she's carrying something. And, and she was just chattering as loud as she could. And she threw it on the ground and she kicked it and she picked it up and chattered at it again. And threw it in the fire outside and rolled it in the ashes and, and picked it up and washed it off and started kissing it and took it back into her house. And Brother Clayton said... What in the world was that all about? And he said, well, she was punishing her God because he didn't do what she asked him to do. And she was cursing him and telling him that she was going to treat him really bad unless he did what she said. And then she hugged him and kissed him and said, now I'm promising you, if you only do what I tell you to do, that I'll treat you right. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people have a relationship with God. Exactly. Like that woman does. See, that's not faith. God is not your servant. He's the creator. You see, that's the next thing that faith does. The reward of faith. It gives me understanding. Let me read you Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. In fact, you want to turn to Hebrews. We'll spend a little time there this morning. It says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen... We're not made out of things which do appear. I love that verse. It confounds everything that is printed in any science book in the last 50 years in the United States of America. Unless it's a Christian science book. There are a few of those out there. But It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. had a guy years ago, we were talking about that creation thing, and he says, I just don't believe in creation. I said, well, I just don't believe in evolution. He said, it's mathematically impossible. He said, you Christians, he said, all you do is put God in the equation and it works. I said, yeah. 
It's exactly correct. Because he's God, he can do it. And he's like, ah! You don't want to believe in God because you don't want to believe in anything bigger than you. You want to believe you are the height of everything that exists. I don't know anything dumber than that. Somebody said, if the Big Bang Theory was true, then the Middle East ought to be the most beautiful place on the face of the earth because we've expended more tonnage of explosives there than anywhere else in human history. I, I wish I was smart enough to come up with things like that, but I don't mind quoting them. I, I, I'll tell you, it's just hilarious what people... You know, I have an understanding of what's going on in the world around me. Somebody said, what do you believe about these people running for president? we got two of them that claim to be sons of preachers. Doesn't that count for something? No. Uh, Because it's personal faith. I remember when uh, Mr. Huckabee was running for president. Somebody said, ah, somebody you can vote for, a Baptist preacher. I said, he's not a Baptist preacher in my book. Anybody whose favorite musician is Mick Jaggard, and he's so in, uh, unable that he confuses Mick, the ugliest man in rock and roll, with his brother. I said, I don't want that guy running in the country, do you? Because my Bible teaches me that what's in the world is against what's in this book. And if I love what's out there, I don't love what's in here. And I don't care if you call yourself Baptist or not. That's not Bible. You see, that's understanding. And you get it through faith. People have tried to, uh, through the years I've met people who've tried to cast dispersion on the Word of God. And one of the ways that they'll do that is, what about the Aborigines? In Australia, they didn't have human contact for 3,000 years. And you say that only through faith in Jesus. So God ignored those people and they all went to hell. Is that, is that what you believe? I said, you know, there are questions that we do not have the information to answer. That's one of them. We just don't know. But let me give you a few things to ponder. Where did the Aborigines come up with the idea of marriage? And and do you know that in Aboriginal culture that it's wrong to murder another human being? Where, Where did they get these ideas from? But let me ask you a question. We have... We have a total lack of information to answer your question. We have no knowledge. The Aboriginal people themselves keep no history. Uh, so we have no way of answering your question. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to trust something to give us an answer to that question. We can either trust the character of God and the words that are in the Bible, or I can trust you. Now, who wins that contest? You lose, man. 
You're not even smart enough to know that God created us in his own image. You think we came from monkeys. You think I'm going to believe you about anything? Come on. You see, through faith I have understanding that I can trust the character of God with questions that I cannot answer. And I feel totally confident about putting my faith in the character and person of the God of the Bible. And I want to be careful. In Greenpoint, we have a a deli there. It's called God Bless America Deli. And uh, my first question is, which God do you want to bless America? Because I don't want all the gods to bless America. I I want the God of this book to bless America. And and if it's another one, I, I don't want his blessings. Or hers, as the case may be. Uh, We'll just keep moving. If you're in Hebrews chapter 11, we read verse 3. And we're just going to walk through the scriptures this morning here. Look at verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful. Who had promised. She laughed. But when the morning sickness came, she wasn't laughing anymore. How would you like to be carrying a baby at 89 years old? That that just blows my mind. I don't even want to think about that. But Sarah had enough faith to be obedient to God. You know, obedience to God without faith goes back to the worthless salt. It's worthless than worthless. You know, people do the right things without faith to God. This used to be called a Christian nation, not because everybody was saved, but because everybody did Christian things. Because it was the right thing to do. I mean, it was just right to stay with your husband even if you didn't love each other. It was just right not to uh, 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 steal and things. I mean, the first cars that were invented, they didn't even have a key. How many of you know that? There was just a push button. Now we have some new cars without keys. But there's an electronic key that you stick in your pocket so the button works. So that the fellow that's looking at your car can't take it from you. Look at verse 28. Through faith, talking about Moses. Well, why don't we get verse 27 too. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of God of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest that he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You know, faith made Moses and the children of Israel keep the Passover. It was called the Passover because if you had the blood on the door, the angel of the Lord passed over your house and his judgment did not fall. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. If you have the blood of the Lamb of God painted upon your soul, God's judgment, death, eternal death in hell, passes over you 
for centuries, the early Christians took the Jewish word Passover and equated it with the Savior. It was used that way in history. Jesus, our Passover, a quote from the Bible. Jesus is the Passover. And they understood this truth. Having lived and and many of them actually painting the blood of those lambs upon the post of their door and celebrating the Passover as Jewish believers. How great, uh, greater an illustration could you find than having the blood of Jesus applied to your soul through faith that the judgment of God would pass over you? Wow. You see... 33, it says, who through faith subdued kingdoms? Do you know that you can fight a war based on faith? That's what it says. They subdued kingdoms. Wrought righteousness. wonder why that one is second to subduing kingdoms. Because it's just as great to do righteousness as it is to win a war. Amen? Can we try that again? Amen? Do you believe that? It says, Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, Turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided something better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. This is talking about Old Testament saints. Through faith. They endured all of these things not understanding it is finished because it hadn't happened yet. What excuse do we have for not living by faith when we can see the complete plan of God laid out before us? You see, faith gives us strength to be obedient. It gives us the victory in our lives. When, when I sit down and talk to someone and they say, Pastor, I've, I've got trouble in my life and I don't know what to do. I am so glad. I've never been able to say, well, uh, we're, we'll have to investigate this and find... I said, I, I said, I don't know. The, I can't tell you the answer before I hear the question. Uh, in fact, I may not know the specific details that we're going to need to solve this problem, but... By faith, I can tell you that we have the answer already. If we will approach this problem through faith, God will give the victory. Because faith gives the victory over everything that we can possibly face. What more could you want 
out of life than to have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the promise of answered prayers that are prayed by faith, the, the ability to <coughs> excuse me, understand and perceive truthfully and honestly what's going on in the world around me and in my own life, to know that God gives the victory. That heaven's glories are going to be mine. I mean, what, what could you possibly hope for that would even begin to compare to what the Bible offers through faith? What could you possibly hope to hold on to that you have right now that wouldn't be wisely and eagerly thrown away that you could have what faith has to offer to you? Are we still together? We're almost done. You see, there was a problem going on in the Gentile world. The Jews weren't the only ones who believed in blood sacrifice of animals. So did the Gentiles. And they had markets because of the multitude. See, God in His temple and and in His plan under the law, the extra of the sacrifices, there was a part that was reserved to the people that offered them so they could have a feast with their family. Now, that wasn't a sin sacrifice. That was the peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings and Passover offerings and and, uh, the other offerings that were included in the uh, uh, Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. That's why they called them a feast is because there were incredible meals that were involved in this. And it was part of those animals that were sacrificed that was reserved to the people who did the sacrificing. Do you know that in the Roman temples that wasn't the way it normally was? That when you gave that thing up, uh, they took it. Do you know that another part of that animal in God's plan was reserved for the priest and his entire family to provide food for them? Well, the Roman temples had such a glut of food, of meat, and other things sacrificed to their gods that they would open up a shop. In in Corinthians, it was called the Shambles. And uh, that was just the transliteration of the name for it. And that was the place where you got cheap meat. Because it had been sacrificed to the temple. It sat around a couple of days. They didn't need it. They didn't want it. So they took it out, sold it, put the money in their pocket. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made in religion. And Christians were saying... Listen, I've shopped at the shambles all my life. That's where uh, the best deals are. You know, God doesn't want us to have good deals. That meat was sacrificed to, to idols, and they got into a big argument about that. And Paul summarized it in Romans chapter 14, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat. Because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith, is sin. 
Can I ask you the question this morning? Last week we talked about the price of faith, and it's everything. It's everything. You see, that's why you can't hold a grudge against another person. Is because you got rid of them when you got faith. And they're not, they don't belong to you anymore. You'll notice the personal pronoun is in there every time that is mentioned. And so they no longer belong to you. You no longer have any rights toward the behavior of other people. That all belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we could exercise that perfectly, we would never be offended. Psalm 119. Still together? But here it says, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Can you think of some things that you're doing in your life? You know, I've met people who are fully convinced that they are doing something totally against the Bible through faith. And you know, as a pastor, I, I could whack them right between the eyes with a great big with my King James Bible replica. I mean, that would put you in the hospital. But the blow would not help because it's once you lose faith, you don't have understanding. Do you know that people have prayed themselves to the death, praying for things that God never intended to give them because it wasn't a prayer of faith? I have met people clutching to a handful of rosary beads saying, they're going to get me into heaven. You can have faith in wrong things. I don't know anybody who has greater faith than communist or socialist. How could you see the fall of all of these empires and all of these governments and every time socialism has ever been tried, it fails, and yet you still believe it's going to work? Bernie Sanders. Uh, how, uh, my faith doesn't compare to that. If the Bible was that full of holes, I'd thrown it away a long time ago. But as hard as I tried to poke, I can't poke a hole in one word of that book. See, my faith is objective. This book has stood the test. Someone once asked me, where would you get the faith to have all them kids in New York City? I said, we didn't. They only come one at a time. Amen? Somebody said, where'd you get the faith to buy that building and expect God to answer it? Well, there wasn't any other choices. This was the only one, period. And if you think we're not terrified about the new one in Brooklyn, you're kidding. I've never heard anybody else use this term, but I'll, I'll take credit for it. I call it terrifying faith. Because I'm scared out of my wits. And I hope you are too. Because what we need is we need God to do the work. Because if He doesn't, we're not going to. By the way, it works that way in our church. It works that way in your family. 
It works that way with your kids. It works that way with everything that's going on. Is it a faith? If it's not, it's sin. I don't want to be there. How about you? I'd rather be terrified waiting for God to do something than fully confident in anything but God. Do we say amen to that? You see, Galatians, Paul's trying to explain to the Galatians here, and I just want to read the verse. It says, in the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Excuse me. Is your Christianity about what you do? Because if it is, you're under law. And that's not a faith. I don't know how many people have told me over the years, Pastor... I believe, I'm having problems doubting my salvation, but I really know I'm saved because I love the Bible. McNeil Lair, that's public broadcasting? One of the most godless organizations in the world? This is their quote. The crowning achievement of the English language is the translation of what is commonly called the 1611 King James Bible. And somebody out there is going, oh, they have faith in God. You've got to be kidding me. This is public broadcasting. They don't have faith in God. But they're not stupid. And they're not liars. This is the greatest achievement in the entire English language that I hold in my hands. But if you're living under the law based on what you do and what you think, that's not a faith. That's not going to save you. You're going to miss out on the rewards of faith. Years ago, a preacher, the man that taught me how to do the street preaching thing, and he said, had a little illustration and put up the letters on the board. D-O-D-O-N-E. He said there's two, re- two kinds of religion in the world, do and done. He said every religion you can think of comes under the do category. We meet in a former synagogue. Judaism, do religion. We have many people here that used to attend the Orthodox, later the, which later devolved into the Orthodox and Catholic churches. That's a do religion. Everything you do. Is a, it, everything about that religion is a do religion. We have people that used to be Protestants here. You know, Protestantism is just the little daughter of the big mother Catholic Church. That's why they're called Protestants. They protest against the Catholic Church. We don't protest against the Catholic Church. We ignore it. If you come here and you said, I was baptized in the Catholic Church, it, that doesn't count. Uh, I attended there for 50 years. That doesn't count. I took Mass 40,000 times. That don't count. We just ignore the place. Have nothing to do with it. There's no righteousness in those systems whatsoever. Because they're not a faith. By the way, Islam, Buddhism, all the Eastern religions, socialism, communism, 
Those are religions. That's the only way you can explain the foolishness of the people who behave them. They're all about do. Only the Bible. Only Jesus said and could mean it. It is finished. See, faith gives me salvation. It's going to keep me from today. I had to preach my uncle's, part of my uncle's funeral. I did the graveside service Thursday. Most of you know that. Makes you think about eternity when you stand there and look at the coffin and the man that you used to know. 93 years old. Listen. Whatsoever is not a faith. Is sin. That's why I'm not for Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and Gamblers Anonymous and all these. Even if you get the victory over sin in your life and it's not by faith. You've just substituted a more acceptable sin for the one you got the victory over. It's got to be because of faith. That's why this year we, we want to learn to live by His, your personal faith. But if you want that personal faith, it's got to come by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. See, if you're not willing to pay the price, that's everything. You'll never learn to live by faith, which is everything. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to hone in on this truth and understand that everything that we do must be by faith. It's got to be based in God's words and not in our understanding or abilities. Lord, we ask that as we have the time of invitation that those who are saved in this room this morning would take at least a few moments and examine that which is not by faith, through faith, of faith in their life. And that they would bring those things to an old-fashioned altar and confess them as the sins that they are. Lord, we pray that if there be one here in this auditorium that does not know you as their Savior, Lord, I'm so glad that that knowledge belongs to you and not to any man. that they would be willing to allow someone to open this Bible, that they could get faith. Faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for another group that just because of statistics has to be here today. Those who believe they're living by faith and are not. Lord, I cannot 
break the bondage of deception and self-deception to keep them away from the truth that is in faith. But you can. Lord, I ask that you would work in those lives. We would want no one here in this auditorium this morning to miss faith. Lord, we ask that you would work. That you may be glorified in our lives. That we may understand what is going on around us. That we could have the answers to prayer. The victory in our life that you want us to have. And Lord, that entrance abundantly into the kingdom of the everlasting God. We ask you to work. That we may glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.